There's a peace I've come to know. Though my heart and flesh may fail, there's an anchor for my soul. I can say it is well. Can you turn me down the monitors, please? Jesus has overcome, and the grave is overwhelmed. Victory is won. He is risen from the dead, and I will rise when he calls my name. No calls my name 
No more sorrow, no more pain. I will rise on eagles' wings before my God. Fall on my knees and rise. I will. Open your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. What do you want when you go to church? I mean, let's we be real tonight. What do you want when you go to church? Some have suggested over the years that I put a suggestion box in the back of the church. Well, Pastor, let's put a suggestion box in the back of the church and we'll let everybody put suggestions in there and then we'll read them and we'll pray about them and then, and then we'll, 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 if it's a good idea or if we feel led, then we will, we will go ahead and do it their way. I don't think church is meant to be that way. What do you want when you get to church? I, I, I see people sometimes, they, they come to church, but they're not really here at all. Let me ask you this. What are you seeking when you come to church? I know what I'm seeking. I'm seeking an encounter with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What are you seeking? What are you? Now, I'm talking to you. What are you seeking when you come to church? Are you present tonight? Only that you can tell others that you went to church. So many people do that. They go to church so that they can tell everybody else that they go to church. But there's no real evidence in their life that they even go to church. I'm not picking on nobody. I'm not finding fault in nobody. I'm telling you the truth tonight. Some people go to church and there's no real evidence whether they're a Christian or an unsaved person. You couldn't tell the difference if you worked with them. You couldn't tell the difference if you lived next door to them. You couldn't tell the difference if you were hanging out with them. Used to be a guy that come all the time to Caney Creek Cowboy Church, a brother of mine, a friend of mine. Been in church with me three or four years now. I saw him the other day. I said, where you been, boy? He said, well, I'm going to another church with my grandkids now. I said, well, good. Praise the Lord. He said, but I'll be back. I remember one day I was with some friends and we went out to eat. And he walked in the restaurant. And, 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 and someone at the table said, well, there goes such and such. About the time I went to go say, hey, you want to sit with us? They had picked up a beer out of the cooler box there. Was I judging him? No, but I didn't want him sitting with us. There was no real evidence that he was a Christian. There was no real evidence that church was working for him. Well, pastor, that's a little harsh. You're talking about one beer. No, I'm talking about a lifestyle. He didn't see me. He didn't see me. Matter of fact, matter of fact, I don't think he saw us the whole time. Because if he did, he'd been like a lot of others that me and my wife and other brothers and sisters have encountered out there in the world. When they see us and they're doing those things, they try to hide it. But I'm here to tell you tonight, you can't hide anything from God. 
you know, you can try to hide it as, as, as much as you can, but you can't try to hide it. I told you that story about that brother, not to, not to condemn him, not to, not to find fault in him, but to tell you he was coming to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, every activity we had, he was here all the time. But to me, when he picked that beer up out of that cooler, there was no real evidence that he goes to church. You see, I want to leave here different. I love our motto, come as you are. But I love to say, leave changed. Leave changed. Come with your problems. Come with your problems. Come with, with all your baggage. Come with every fear, every worry, every care, every concern. Come as you are. But my God, leave changed. Leave changed just a little bit. That's why I keep coming back. I just changed a little bit at a time. Rome wasn't built in a day and neither was I. So I got to keep coming. Are you present tonight so that you can tell others that you go to church? Are you there that so you can play the role that, that you think gives you some kind of status in the community? Are you there just to keep peace in your family and avoid a nagging wife or nagging kids or a nagging mother or nagging children? Jesus once asked a group of people concerning John the Baptist, who did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken with the wind, a man clothed in soft remnants, a prophet? It's an important question to ask tonight. Why do you go to church? I found it in this verse, found in Acts. To me, it's like a wake-up call. It, 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 it's like why I go to church, why I serve at Caney Creek Cowboy Church, why I have not thrown in the towel, I, I found right here in Acts 2, 38. Got my Bible? So let it be clearly known by everyone in Israel. Oh, I'm not there yet. 38. Peter replied, each of you must turn from your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you and to your children and even to the Gentiles, all who have been called by our Lord and our God. I'm called to go to church. I'm called to turn from my sins. You're called to go to church. You're called to turn from your sins. You're who believes that tonight? Who believes that temptation is real and we're to turn away from it? Paul, you finna graduate. As soon as you graduate, everything that was tempted you before you got in the program going to be handy at your disposal. But the Bible says right here, this is why I go to church. This is, this is why I stay close to God. Each of you must turn from your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus and forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Ten things I wish I could tell church members I'm going to share with you. I hope I can get through some of them. Church ain't always about the music. Hear me tonight. I wish I could tell you that's the truth tonight. Do you know some people come through our back doors and they don't like the way the music sounds? They don't ever give the preaching a chance. They don't ever give you a chance. They don't ever give God a chance. 
they're used to the way they do it over there at the big churches, but we don't have big church money, so we do the best we can with what we got, and praise God that we got dedicated people. Give them a big round of applause. It, the first thing I wish I could, I, I'm going to tell church members, if you're a member of this church, I, I, I'm going to tell you, it's not always about the music. It's not always about the lights. It's not always about the air condition, the parking. Did you know some people quit the church if you park in their parking spot? Happens all the time. Going to church, listen to me. I wish people would stop obsessing over the size of the building, over the comfortable of the chairs, over the music, over the daycare, over, over what do you have to offer me? Why don't you come and say, God, here I am as an offering. Here I am, God, as an offering. When we first started seeking the Lord in our lives, we were just a young couple. Justin and Dalton were just boys, and we went to Shiloh Baptist Church in Crawford, Texas, and you had to cross this big old creek to get up to the other side to get to church. And the pastor would say every Sunday, we'll see you next Sunday, good Lord willing, and the creeks don't rise, because if the creek rose, you didn't go to church. That's the way it was. I'll never forget, wasn't saved, I, 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 I was seeking, but I can say I wasn't sold out. One time, Justin, the offering came, and Justin, mama was trying to get his money out of her wallet, tried to give a dollar to put in that offering, and she gave Dalton his, and she was fumbling to get Justin his, and the offering went by too fast, and he just started crying. I mean, he started boo-hooing, church full of people, but my son was hurting because he couldn't give to God. They had me and the elders, the men, the people, they took it all back up to the front, because that's the way they do back then. They take it all back up front and set it on the front deal. I just picked up Justin, and I walked him right up there. And he got to put his offering in. He got to put his all in. You know what? They gave me a standing ovation. Thought I'd done something really well. I just wanted him to stop crying, so we get on with church. <laughs> but it taught me a valuable lesson. I heard a story years ago how a young man had nothing to give, but he gave it all on the cross about a young man who had nothing to give, but he put it all in the ministry work. Church is not about buildings. It's not about driveways. Man, thank you guys so much, and I, 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 I praise your holy name that we're a lot better off than we used to be. But I was looking at an old picture today when we didn't have a whole lot. I'm as thankful today for this place as it was when I first got here eight years ago. Why? 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 Because I have an encounter with our Lord and Savior. I get to come here and say, God, forgive me of my sins. Wasn't a very good husband last night. Wasn't a very good friend. Father, forgive me of my sins, Lord. I had a bad thought. Lord, fill me up with the Holy Spirit. Sometimes I'll get in here and go all Pentecostal when nobody's around. I'll turn the music up real loud. No, that's not why the sound system always got problems. Nobody's trying to point fingers at me. <laughs> Sometimes I'll get in here and I'll turn the music up, man, and I'll just get to dancing and singing and serving. When nobody's looking, I'll preach like there's a million here. You know, God is good. And I have to tell you that we shouldn't worry about the look of a place or, 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 or the, uh, and we're doing our very best. Somebody say amen. We're doing our very best to make it comfortable for people. But if you have an encounter with the living God, that's the place you need to serve. That's the place you need to go. 
If somebody gets your parking spot, you need to still go. If the song wasn't like the one you liked last week, you still need to go. If the pastor says something or does something you don't like, you still need to go. You didn't hear me. I'm talking about me. If he says or does something you don't like, you still need to go. I got a friend back home sitting in a church that he wants out of. He's begging God to remove him out of. But God ain't released him yet. And he's staying put. Why? Because he knows the importance of listening to God and being in the right spot. Sometimes we don't get what we want, do we, Joe? Sometimes we get what we're supposed to have. You know, I want to say this to you. I wish people would stop obsessing over the music, over the building, over the air condition. It's probably helpful for church members to know that a good song can move you, to you from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet. A good comfortable building, a good comfortable chair make you understand and enjoy. But can I say this to you tonight and wrap your mind around something? There are those having church in parks. There are those having church in tents. There are those having church up underneath trees. There are people hiding in China in living rooms having church. And they are just blessed to be in the presence of the Lord and get their sins right with God. So number one, I, I, I wish I could tell members that I'm telling you tonight. Quit obsessing over everything and start looking for the Lord in everything. Number two, I wish I could tell you how much help we really need around here. Somebody hear me tonight. I wish I could tell you how much help we really need around here. But I never go to none of you really. Well, there's some of you I do, but I don't go to all of you and say, we need your help. I don't say, hey, can you show up? We put it out there and then we pray you show up. But I wish... I can tell you that God needs your help. As I was coming from here to there, listen to me. As I was coming from my office to here, just a while ago, a lady was coming out of the back of the church. And, 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 and she was headed to the outdoor bathrooms there. All of a sudden it dawned on me, I haven't fixed a septic. Doggone it, I hadn't fixed a septic. I told Mary, Mary's walking beside me. I said, baby, I forgot to fist the septic. I wish I could tell you I needed your help. All of you, all of you, every one of you, God needs your help. The work is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And I bet you every pastor in every church would love to look you right in your eyeball and say, I need you, please. I need you to greet people at the back door. I need you to shake people's hands. I need you to go out there and work the nursery. Did you know I got a phone call from the church in the area that, 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 that asked for volunteers for their revival to work nursery because they got no nursery workers in their own church? I'm going to send him a copy of this because I know he needs it. He needs to go tell him, I wish you'd help me. Things I've been needing to say, Scott Jones. I wish people would help us. Help us. We bless. We got a good core group. We got some. But are you, are you helping? Are you helping? Are you helping God? Are you the complaint department? Are you the one that sets and nicks and picks and, man, God condemn you, right? Not condemn you, but convict you right now if that's you. Amen.
I guess I'm just preaching real tonight. I wish you knew how much we needed your help in this church. If we had your help, touch three people and say if we had your help. Watch this. If we had your help, there wouldn't be an empty chair in this place. If we had every one of your help, there wouldn't be an empty chair in this place. Think about it. Think about it. We'd be prepared. We'd be ready. There wouldn't be no hesitating. We'd have people waving. I remember when we first got our new driveway, we had five or six men that would stand up there and wave at traffic. Now it's just old Tommy. And his arm about to wear out. Tommy wished he had somebody to help him. He wished he had two or three of you men out there on the road waving at cars, helping. Some of you used to work at this part and work that, but you don't do it no more. God's here to tell you tonight he wished you'd help. He wished you'd help. That's picking on me, Brother Mark. Well, if it's picking on you, it's picking on you. These are things I wish I'd have told you a long time ago. God needs every one of us to do our part. Not just one day, not just one time we go paint a church. But when that offering plate comes by, there's a need and we need to meet it. When there's a mom who's crying because she don't know where her next bottle of formula is coming from. When there's a teenager calling on the phone and he wants to commit suicide. God needs all of our help. Another thing I wish I could tell you, but I'm going to tell you tonight is this. If you have a problem with me, or I wish you'd come to me personally and not talk about me behind my back. I, I think pastors need to say that more often. If you have a problem with Chris at Interfaith, you don't need to go talk about Chris behind his back. You need to go talk to Chris in his face. You have a problem with Brother Joe, you need to go talk to Brother Joe in his face. And if you have a problem with Mark Grimes, you need to come talk to Mark Grimes. Because these people that you're talking to, they can't solve the problem, but maybe I can help. Huh? Somebody hear me tonight. This is good stuff. If you've been holding a grudge, and I know somebody in here has probably been holding a grudge against Allie, and you don't talk to her no more. You know, really, I know someone that does. Don't, don't laugh. I know someone that does, and they're here. They've been holding a grudge against her, and you don't have the guts to go and say, Allie, let me talk to you for a minute. I was offended, and I'm hurt. She don't know if you don't tell them. But you go tell everybody else you don't like Allie. You go tell everybody else you don't like Danny. You don't even know Danny. You don't even really know Allie. But just they offended you one day. So you take it upon yourself to go tell everybody else. Really, nobody don't like you. But I just want to say that. And it was good. It was good. I, I was like, it, it, that was real good preaching. Give God a praise. Amen. I'll just pick it, girl. I'll just pick it. But Allie's like, man, I wonder who it is. I wonder who it is. I should have used Beverly, I guess. I don't know. but She'd have probably fit the bill a little better, Miss Allie. I'm sorry. But really, who grew up in the country? And when you had a problem with somebody, you wouldn't talk to them. 
My Lord and Savior grew up in the country too. And he wrote and put in the Holy Spirit and put it in the Bible. If you have a problem with someone, you go take it to them. If you can't get nowhere with that, you take two. And you keep on going until you try to get resolved. I, I, I would say from this point on, if you have a problem with my wife, take it up with my wife. Don't go take it up with Miss Connie. Don't go take it up with some of her close friends. Talk about her behind her back. Take it up with the person. Because it's probably really not a problem at all. It's Satan. It's Satan. And Satan wants to get on you and get on me and try to cause division. It's Satan. He's slick. Jason Taylor calls him slick. He'll come in, man. Oh, yeah, he didn't say nothing to me this morning. She didn't say anything to me. She just gave me the old chicken eye this morning. And you'll be offended, you'll be mad, and then you'll find fault in everything someone does. Take it to that person. Another thing I wish I could tell everyone in the church, I'm going to tell everyone in the church how important it is to make our visitors feel welcome and how important it is not to make them feel judged. They need to feel loved. God brought them here. You didn't bring them here. And when they get here, you need to make them feeling special. You need to make them feel important. Anybody that knows me and has been around me, if you're talking to me and I see a visitor, I'll make you stop talking to me and go talk to them. I did that last Sunday morning. I had two or three guys up here. We were talking and visiting. Some visitors walked in. How do I know they were visitors? Because they put on Facebook. This morning, we're going to get up, and we're going to go try Caney Creek Cowboy Church for the first time. And I looked over there, and there they come. And I had a couple of guys here talking to me, and I said, guys, don't talk to me no more. <laughs> go talk to them. And here come the goon squad. Boy, I bet they was intimidated. But... <laughs> But they filled out a green sheet, and they asked to become a member of our church. I think we had more rededications and green sheets given this past Sunday than we've had in a long time. I think it's important, brothers and sisters, that we make every guest feel welcome. Let me tell you a secret. All this... Is off limits. Holy Spirit filled up here. I, you got to get permission to get up here. I, I, I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you. You do. You got to get. It, it's church. It's right. It's the pastor's spot. I went to T.D. Jake's church. I wanted to stand in his spot. They said, "No, uh, can't touch that. It's off limits. It's all been prayed for. It's all been prayed." For. But every now and then, somebody will run up these stairs. It's the truth. It's the truth. You can't get up on my pastor's spot. You can't even get behind my pastor's pulpit. Unless you get his permission. But every now and then, a visitor, a friend, somebody be three or four or five times, they don't know. And they'll jump right here and right here and they'll be with me. And I love them. How you doing? Where you doing? Good to see you. How you doing? I want them to feel special. I want them to feel accepted. 
whether they're up here. And I know how special this is. I know that this place is anointed. I know that the chairs, who was with me when I anointed every chair that your butt is sitting in? Anybody ever, you, Cooper saw me, I anoint every chair that your butt is sitting in tonight. Because I want God to move in a mighty, mighty, mighty way. I don't want everybody up here either because I, 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 I don't want evil spirits up here. I don't want anything blocking and doing all that stuff. But every now and then, now I said that to say this. I, I, I saw some of you shaking your head and, and maybe critiquing what I just said. But in his presence is where we need to be. And when people come and they're first timers or they're first month in or six month in, they don't need to be judged. Don't even judge because they got a beard, because they got tattoos, because they'll drive a certain kind of car. They never need to be judged for their past, for the mistakes they made. A visitor needs to feel welcome. And who makes them feel welcome? Me? No, not just me. All of us. The church, the body. Joe told me one time, I asked Joe one time, I said, why don't you go to the church over there where you're, kids go he said man I went three times and not one Sunday anybody spoke of me three times not one person spoke of me you know I, I, I had a hard time we you I all of us need to make all of our visitors feel welcome matter of fact we're all visitors if you look at it so we ought to make every one of us because they were just passing through anyway. So it ought to be the most loving, caring place in the world. And people ought to feel that when they walk in. Another thing I wish I could tell you that I'm going to tell you tonight. I wish moms and dads would take spiritual responsibility of their home. Many people believe that it's the church's job to educate their children on spiritual matters. I don't believe that way. I believe it's the mom's and dad's responsibility to teach their kids about Jesus. There's an awesome woman of God. Her husband is a bull rider. His name is J.W. Hart. Anybody ever heard of him? He's got a lot of world titles, pretty famous cowboy. His wife is on Facebook, and she puts out a little thing every day on Facebook. They're good little things. She, does, she stops on the side of the road. She puts out little videos, and... And, and I'll sometimes watch those videos. And every day when she's talking about those videos, she talks about the relation, the, the conversation that she had with her five and her three-year-old kid about Jesus. About Jesus. About, about Jesus. That their kids are asking them about Jesus. When was the last time your kid asked you about Jesus? Then maybe you're not talking about him enough. When was the last time your kid asked you, are we going to church? Maybe you don't go enough. When was the last time you asked them, what did you learn today? When you got them out of the nursery or got them out of the daycare or got them off the youth program, what did you learn tonight? It's very important. When I get home, I ask my kids, what did y'all learn? What Miss Vicky teach y'all? What y'all have going on in there? I ask them all the time. I want to know. Why? Because it's important that God is the center point of our family and God needs to be the center point of your family and whose job is that it's not my job it's your job God's not going to judge me for your children God's going to judge you for your children who believes that tonight is there any believers that believe that 
when I was a swans man, I used to drive a swans truck. I was 165 pounds when I went to work there, and look at me now. <laughs> Them ice cream bars, man, they didn't do me right. I was a swans man one time back in Waco when Dalton was born and Justin was small. I had a preacher on my route, and I knocked on his door one day, and we were talking. He said, I missed you last week. I said, well, I had my, my, my second son was born. He said, you know, you're the spiritual leader of your home. I didn't understand, Brother Bick, what that meant till now. You ought to understand how important and what God is going to do if you don't raise your kids right. He's going to hold you accountable. I wish more parents took responsibility spiritual for the leadership in their home. While the church certainly plays an important role, and I still know that it's the parents to teach their kids about spiritual warfare. Fathers and mothers, you play an important role as the leader of your home. You set the spiritual temperature in your family. I'm going to ask you tonight, will you rise to that challenge? Another thing I wish I could tell people, but then they always say, well, all he's talking about is money. I wish I could tell you, and I'm going to tell you tonight, how important your money is to God. How important your money is to God. And what you do with your money is important to God. Who believes that tonight? Does anybody believe? I'm not talking about your tithes. I'm talking about every bit of your money. I, I, <laughs> I wish more people would trust God with their money. Anytime I teach about stewardship, it seems like it's always an uphill battle because somebody thinks that I want something. You have nothing that I need. My God supplies all my needs. According to his riches and glory, my God supplies all my needs. I work very hard. God supplies. God don't like lazy, so he rewards those who work very hard. But anytime you start talking about money in church, people think that you want something. I don't want anything from you. But God wants a lot to do with your money. Because if he can get you to be obedient in your stewardship, he can get you to be obedient in your life. He can get you to be obedient when it comes to getting the drugs and alcohol. He can get you in your pocket. He can get you anywhere. He can get you on the field, in the game, as a pastor, as a leader, as a missionary, as a singer. I wish more people trusted God with their money. Anytime I teach about stewardship, it's an uphill battle because everyone believes the church only talks about money. It's definitely not all about money. But it's pretty high on the priority list of teaching topics. The reason is because money teaches every aspect of your life. There's a spiritual battle that is always raising when it comes to money. I've seen it many times. When you begin to trust God with your money and use it according to his principles, good things begin to happen to you. Good things begin to happen to you. Who believes that tonight? Just supernatural favor starts happening to you. I've seen it over and over and over again. How could you not let him in your wallet? God wants to take care of every responsible. But if you decide, I'll take care of it this week, guess what? You get to make a choice and God will let you. God will let you keep making that choice. There are some of you right now God has gave a great job to, but you have sown nothing back into him. 
You ought to be ashamed of yourself. God is concerned about your obedience in the acts of stewardship. The good Lord giveth and the good Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I watched Francis Chan the other day on television. Who likes Francis Chan? I like Francis Chan. He's awesome. Crazy love. If you have never read it or seen him, he's awesome. He was talking about when he first started pastoring that church. A guy told him, we don't come here for you. Okay, good. <laughs> he started pastoring that church, and, 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 and they offered him $36,000 a year. And he said, man, that's great. God said, give away that $36,000 a year. So the church gave him $36,000, and he turned around and gave the $36,000 away that year. The next year, God told him to give away $50,000. He said, but God, I make only $36,000. You know what happened at the end of the year? He gave away $50,000. And then God told him to give away $100,000 that year. And guess what? On a $36,000 year income, he gave away $100,000 that year. And then he said, you know what? God told me to give away a million dollars. And you know what? He gave away a million dollars that next year. I believe that God can do that. I believe that God can do that. If you trust him with a little, he'll overwhelm you. He will overwhelm you. Francis Chan is amazing. I wish more people would rise to the challenge of leadership in their family and in their church. We have become strangely passive in our culture. Fewer and fewer men and women rise up to be good, strong, godly leaders in their homes, their business, their communities, and their churches. To the young couples in my church tonight, I say rise up and be godly leaders in this world. To the mature Christians in my church, I say now's the time to put on the full armor of God and march. Because our time is short and our eternity is forever. Who believes that tonight? Our time is short and our eternity is forever. I think we ought to start thinking about where we're going to spend it instead of putting it up here. To the men in middle life, this is a busy time of life for you. You got families, you got careers, you're trying to make a way, putting up for the 401. You're putting God on the back burner. Tonight I say to you, light your fire for him and don't put him on the back burner. To the older people in the church tonight, a lot has changed about church since you're growing up. Embrace what God is doing and get involved. You say, Brother Mark, I'm not, I'm not able, I'm not capable. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Who believes that tonight? Yes, you are. But you have to want to. You have to want to. Another thing, and I'm almost done. I wish people would make a decision about where they're going to go to church and stick with it. In our society today, people just flop around. Make a decision where you're going to go to church and stick with it today. I got tired of being one woman's pastor. 
because she went to five different churches and talked to five different pastors, and every one of them gave her five different answers. And it seems like every time I was getting nowhere with her, I just felt like the pastor on the bottom of the topo. Finally, the Lord said, well, you're not her pastor. She goes to every church in the world. Make your mind up that you're going to go to the church, whether it be this one or another one, and stick to it. Stick to it. Help them. Get involved. Stay focused. See what their mission statement is. Adopt that as your own. Ours here is to seek out the lost sheep and bring them back to the herd. Adopt the flow. Adopt the philosophy and the vision and catch it and run with it. If this is your church, make it your church. Get involved. Get involved. I wish people would make a decision about a church home and stick with it. Maybe that's just a little old-fashioned. But I don't know about you. I, I want people to know where I went to church when I died. I want you to show up. And I want you to say, I know that brother loved the Lord because he was at church. He was always here. He was always here. I remember Mr. Sam, right before he died, I went to see him. He was real sick. He hadn't been to church in probably eight or nine months because he had gotten real sick. But before that, he was always here. I was leaning over and talking to him and telling him how much I loved him and good to see him and I know he's going to get better. And He said, you know, Pastor, every day I get up to go to church. I'm just not strong enough to make it to the building. But every day he got up to go to his church. For nine months, for nine months, bedridden in a hospital bed, in his living room, he would rise up on Sunday morning, Wednesday night and Sunday night, to go to his church. Tells me a lot about the character of a person. When they make a decision which church they're going to be in. I know people still in my church, they ain't even joined it. They've been here for years. They ain't never filled out a membership. They don't want no commitment. They are, nah, mm-mm, uh-uh. They ain't going to do it. They ain't going to have it. It'll all fall apart, no. You need to join the church and stick with it. And the last thing, and I'll be done. I want you to know how much your encouragement to me means. When you encourage me, when you support me, when you practice what we preach in this church, it means a lot to me. I don't say that enough, maybe. But tonight I say it. You serve an imperfect pastor. You serve with an imperfect pastor. And your encouragement means a lot to me. Brother Benny calls me a motivator. You always motivating in us, Brother Mark. But y'all's encouragement motivates me. When I see you changing your lives, it makes me want to push on. When I see you coming back together, right with God, it makes me want to keep on pressing on. Your encouragement helps me. I'm not asking for a pat on the back. I'm not asking for a reward or a raise. But your encouragement helps. It helps me. Helps my wife. Helps my family. So I hope you know from the bottom of my heart how much these things mean to this pastor and how many times I wish I would have said these things but never had the guts to. I often get discouraged. I usually do a pretty good job of hiding it. 
But to be perfectly honest, the weight of this leadership is heavy. And trying to do it all by myself, I can't sometimes. I cry a lot. I press on when I should run. I have Jonah moments. But your encouragement helps me. And for that, I'm grateful. I wish every pastor in every church would stand up and tell his church how much they encourage him. Because many are called, but few are chosen. The pressures of the leadership, the criticism. You know how much that criticism hurt me the other night after we put on a bull ride? Try not to let it show. But deep down inside, it hurts. But you being at the next bull ride and opening the next gate, pushing up the next cow, cooking the next corn dog, the encouragement to see those next two come through that back door and get saved, it'll be worth every, every sacrifice, every hurt. You know, I encourage you in 2015 to make these things that we talked about a priority in your life. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, I pray tonight that we just choose one or two of these things and work on getting better at them. Or maybe we just adopt the whole thing and say, Brother Mark, thank you for sharing them with me. I did not know. I did not know that somebody else was carrying my load. But you better believe I'm going to be carrying mine from tonight on. Brother Mark, I did not know that somebody else was paying for me to be here. But I'll be paying for my own from now on. Brother Mark, I didn't know that I was supposed to be the wife that God called me to be and the mother of my children. I was supposed to be teaching them about the Lord. I thought that was your job. But thank you for enlightening me. When I get home, getting my Bible out. Brother Mark, thank you for taking the fancy off of this place tonight. Removing the air conditions and the walls and the lights and just let me appreciate the fact that the Lord's presence is here. These are some things, Lord, we should all take to heart. Learn and grow and go. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Somebody give God a praise. Amen. Thank <laughs> you.